Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. We exist to be a life-giving church in our community that helps people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. Here you will find weekly sermons and teachings from our Sunday services. Let's dive into this week's message. And today I just, I just want to answer one simple question. Like we've been talking about all these different things, and I encourage you to go back to the podcast because we've run the gamut and we have a few more left as we go through this end of the summer. But today I just want to answer that simple question is, well, okay, well, Pastor Mickey, uh, one summer to live, and you're talking about this aspect of living a life that makes a difference and not living for yourself. And so here's a great question. So, so how should I live? Like, like if you're telling me that to, have, to, to go live a life you know, and, and it's not necessarily like Tim McGraw, you know, I went skydiving and, you know, all these other things and wrote a bull named Fu Manchu, you know, but it's one of those things that's like, let's do something that makes a difference, right? And, and a part of making a difference is saying, okay, so how should I live? And I have straight out of God's word, a very simple message I want to share with you. We're going to be in Romans, Romans chapter 8. And when we get done with that, we're going to flip over to Matthew 7, and then we're going to end up in Galatians chapter 5. And if you're like, I don't feel like doing all that, then just sit there and chill. We'll have it on the screen, all right? But you can go to your tablet, your phone, or in your paper Bible. And again, we're going to be in Romans chapter 8, and it's going to be an amazing time. So here's the simple question. How should I live? Well, here I'm going to answer it for you. More than anything, more than anything, and you're going to see it in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. I don't know if I should tell you how to live as much as I can tell you how not to live. And what you don't need to do is live in condemnation. You don't need to live in guilt. You don't need to live in shame. You don't need to live in despair. You don't need to live with regret. My wife, one of her phrases that she has said our entire life of marriage is, I'm not gonna live life in regret. And I've watched her minister to high school girls and other teenage girls and even some of our own kids when they come and ask her a question because they didn't get the answer they liked from me. And they're like, mama, help me out. And one of the things she'll always go to is just, just don't live in regret. And let me show you biblically exactly where that comes from. It's Romans chapter eight, verse one, as we dive into God's word. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I believe one of the reasons why most of us, when we talk about having a summer to live, the reason why we never get to this life, this life more abundantly that's talked about in John chapter 10, verse 10, is because all of us are constantly living in a spirit of guilt, shame, and struggle. And we take God's forgiveness and we accept his forgiveness, but we never take time to forgive ourselves. And the reality is, is that all of us were born, and we're gonna talk about this a little bit more. You'll see it straight out of God's word. All of us are born into this world, and because of sin, we are born into condemnation. We are condemned. Scripture says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, you, because of your sin, you've been condemned. And we allow Christ to give us forgiveness, but for some reason, we wanna carry the condemnation on in our life. I have people that I talk to that literally We'll talk about things that God is spurring in their spirit. And they usually will start it and end with the same sentence. Boy, pastor, I wonder how I should react because I feel like God is calling me to blank, but. And then following the but is usually something that happened in the past, 
a previous marriage, something happened when they were a teenager, something that they did and may be incarcerated for, some sort of addiction that they had to overcome or may still be struggling with. Like the butts run all over the place. But no matter what it is, everybody has this concept of like, like I don't, I can't get past myself to do what God's calling me to do. Well, let me help you out today because I want us to do a simple message called the spirit of life. And it talks about the aspect of condemnation. Are you ready? Verse two, I'm gonna repeat verse one just so we're on the same page. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you have a paper Bible, underword the word no. Like if you were to translate this from the Greek, you could also say there's not any, none, nada. Like it does not exist. Like when scripture talks about how his forgiveness is as far as the east is from the west, like when it comes to condemning, God does not condemn people. People, because of their sin, have condemnation. God gives judgment and grace. Through Christ, you have grace. Without Christ, there will be a judgment. But keep reading, verse two. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So we're gonna talk about this today. There's two different laws. There's a law that's the aspect of sin and death, and then there's a law that he refers to as the spirit of life. And we'll talk about what those mean exactly at the next few verses. Reading on, verse three. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son, talking about Jesus, In the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So let me give you the simpler Mickey Clark Cleveland translation. In the Old Testament, when God created the heavens and the earth and put Adam and Eve in the garden, everything was perfect. There was no condemnation. I mean, it literally, you had two rules. One was a do and one was a don't. The don't, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The do, be fruitful and multiply. I personally, as a man, don't know how Adam jacked that up. Like I'm like that, like like you had a perfect body with a perfect wife, and all you had to do was not eat of one tree and then be fruitful and multiply. I'm not the wisest person in the world. I felt like I could do that, all right? But unfortunately, there was a serpent, right, who came along and deceived Eve and got her to think that she was missing out on something and said, well, if you will eat of this, the reason why he doesn't want you to eat of this is because the day you eat of this, then you will become like a God. And it's the same thing that every one of us struggle with. All of us struggle with this concept that there has to be something more to life. No matter where we are in life, we always think the grass is greener on the other side. Now, I had a grandfather that gave me a lot of different sayings. And one of the sayings he used to tell me is, Mickey, the reason why the grass is always greener in the, on the other side is because there's more manure, because of the fertilization. Now, you can use your translation. That's the biblical pastor translation. His was a farmer and a little bit different, all right? But it's one of those things that it's true. Like it looks greener and then you get over there and realize it's just a bunch of mess. And we never can be content in where we're at. Well, in the Old Testament, 
That's where Adam and Eve sat. They went from literally God coming down to them in the heat of the day and spending time with them to all of a sudden they're hiding themselves and covering themselves and making clothes because what used to be not shameful now became shameful. In fact, every one of us in this room know the aspect of sin. Why? Because every one of us have clothes on. Because there's something that we're, we're shameful. We don't, we, I don't want anybody else to see this. Like, you don't understand. And that's one of the cool things about marriage is marriage, you drop the shame. All of a sudden, it's like I've got one person in my life that, that I don't mind. They can see me for who I really am, all right? Now, some of you have been married a long time, and you're going, yeah, but Mickey, that, that changes, you know? But don't let it. Don't let that shame, don't let that condemnation, don't let that guilt, don't let those things be put on you. And the reason why those things get put on you is because of the Old Testament law. See, because of sin entered this world, then there had to be a sacrificial system. And there had to be something that would atone for the sin. And so you had this law of the flesh. In other words, because of sin, there's death. And because there's death, there has to be atonement. Well, then you had this other where there's a spirit of life. That's the New Testament where Jesus says, you know what? I'm gonna take the form of a man. I'm gonna live a perfect life. I'm gonna be the ultimate sacrifice. And through me, you can have life. Now, here's what I wrote in my notes. And I wanna read this so that I don't mess it up. I said, most people want a spirit of life type living but want to do it in a sin and death style lifestyle. And I think that's the issue with most people when it comes to living. We want the things that a spirit of life, and I'm going to tell you what that is here in a second, just bear with me. But we want that type of a life, like we hear pastors say, he came to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. Like, yes, that's what I want. I want the life more abundantly. But then when we start talking about God's word and what he calls us to, we're like, yeah, but I don't wanna do that. It's like, it's like the, the person, right? Like, why is our college education so amazingly funded by the lottery? Why? Because everybody wants all the money, but nobody wants to work. Now, I'm not getting up here as an old man. There's a lot of people that work. But if right now I gave you an option, you can work for umpteen years or you can go down and buy a lottery ticket and if you hit the lottery, you'd be like, I, I, I will take plan B, please. If there's something in us, this, this microwave type generation, now I guess it would be the air fryer, that we, we want the good fried chicken, but I don't wanna take the grease and get it temperatured and flour the chicken. Like I just want five minutes, give me my fried chicken. All right, now if you're like me, you don't have to do that. Why? There's a place called Kentucky Fried Chicken and they're really good, all right? And so we want all the benefits with none of the work. That's what's going on here. Because of the law of sin and death, for the wages of sin is death. Well, that's a law. And so your options are you can have sin and death or you can have freedom through Christ and it gives you a spirit of life. Most people want the spirit of life, but they wanna do what they wanna do. In fact, I'll read it in another way out of God's word. Are you ready? Next verse, verse five. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. One of the things that I want you to kind of realize is, 
is one of the biggest things that happens in the Christian walk and when it comes to life is what I call a head game. Like it's just a mental concept. We are more mental than we are anything. In fact, in Philippians, he says, whatever is perfect, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, focus or dwell on these things. He talks about this renewing, you know, to commit your mind and to have a renewing of your mind in Christ. Like there's a lot of things that took place, even Eve in the garden. What was the game? The game was the serpent didn't deceive her by some trick. He got her to start thinking mentally, you know what, you're right. In fact, most everything that you ever do before it ever is manifested in your life, it starts in your head. And what this is talking about is when it comes to these two lives that you're trying to live, there is a mental mentality that you have to realize. There are people that, that they, they live by the flesh. And you can know who these people are because all they think about are things that are about the flesh. And we'll talk about those here in just a second. But then you got people that live by the Spirit. And guess what? You can tell who those people are because all they think about are things that are of the Spirit. Let me keep reading. The very next verse, verse six. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. I wrote in my notes one simple question. When it comes to your life, which one do you want? You can have condemnation and death and struggle and frustration, or you can have peace and joy. And again, most of us will say, Mickey, I will sign up for the peace and joy, please. But then we wanna keep doing everything that we wanna do when it comes to sin and death. Like if you don't hear anything else today, let me say this very, very lovingly and kindly. God is not a God that says, oh, because of my grace, you can do both. That's not how God's grace works. God's grace is despite you being a knucklehead, I will save you. But if you're wanting more out of this life, then you're gonna have to make a commitment to do things that bring you life and not suck the life out of you. In fact, around here, our phrase, our purpose boils down to this. We want to be life-giving. You say, Mickey, why don't y'all do this and 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 do this? Because to be honest with you, most of us have been a part of a church that did all those things. And it was exhausting. And we said, you know what, Let, let's, let's, let's hone this in. How, what would it look like if our purpose was we want everybody to, to know God? We want everybody to find freedom. We want everybody to discover their purpose. And then we wanna go make a difference. Well, what about this, 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 and this? Listen, we will help support, and as God puts a calling on your life, we will always follow through. In fact, the Redantes were able to go on a mission trip, and it was awesome, and we've got another one, uh, Vey, who right now is on a mission trip, and whenever somebody has a calling, we're gonna support you in your calling, but as a church, like, let's start here first. That's about serve day, right? And why don't we start with ourselves first as well? Like, what are we being? When it comes to our life, what are we demonstrating? Let me keep reading. The next verse, verse seven. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Listen to these attributes. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. 
If you're taking notes, write these things down. Here's what the flesh equals. When living by the flesh, it equals death. When living by the flesh, you're gonna have a hostility towards God. When living by the flesh, you're not going to submit to God's law. When living by the flesh, you don't have the ability to please God. And so if any of those attributes you find people being in, then know that you can very quickly realize, well, they, they don't have a relationship with Christ, and it's not for you to judge them. It's just for you to realize that, that that's the issue that's going on. I get so tickled, I make this phrase a lot, but I need you to hear me. I get so tickled how the church expects ungodly people to act godly. Like it's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Well, pastor, do you know that that person is da 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 Well, yeah, they're doing that. Why? Because they don't know Jesus. Why in the world would you expect somebody that don't know God to act like they do? But then the flip side of that's also true. But yet we accept godly people acting ungodly. I, I, I'll give you an example. Man, somebody's gonna get mad at me. I probably shouldn't say this, but you know me. I have no self-control. I'm so tired of people coming up to me and talking to me about people that may be living in a homosexual lifestyle, but yet they're living in heterosexual sin. I ain't got to say nothing else, do I? Got a guy coming up to me talking to me about how horrible it is that this couple's in a homosexual lifestyle, but yet he's addicted to porn. Like, I'm, I'm talking about like all of us, and I'm trying to be real careful here, and don't mishear me. Scripture's very clear and speaks to both of those. But I'm talking about us standing on God's word, and I'm not talking about living perfectly. We're all gonna be sinful, but at least trying to live in the spirit and trying to do what God's called us to do. I, I talk about my wife way too much from the stage, but she, it's just because she helps me so much and tells me so much. And one of the things that, that you may not know, here's a little confession of the not so rich and not so famous. There are some things that I have a really, really, really hard time and feel uncomfortable talking about on the stage. That's one of the reasons why I don't hit a lot of hot buttons. I just want to preach God's word. But one of the things that I struggle with that you've, you've really not ever heard is, is, you, is I don't ever preach on tithing. Because my luck, the day I preach on tithing will be the day that all of you bring a friend. You know, they'd be like, this is awesome. And you know what my wife's amazing response was? We're riding in the car one day, and she's like, but you know, you need to be able to, to preach on God's word. Whatever it is, you gotta be able to preach on it. And I was like, I know, but I just think there's other ways to handle that. And in a very loving and kind way, she goes, well, Mickey, can you just go ahead and tell me what parts of the Bible are we not gonna preach on? And I was like, what? I was like, we're gonna preach the whole thing. She goes, well, no, you're not. You just said you're not gonna preach on that and it's in God's word. So I just wanna know, like, as your wife, I just wanna know if I'm gonna be a member of this church like everybody else. Like, I wanna know what parts of the Bible are we not gonna preach on? This is a true story. Like, I'm driving down the road and I'm literally in my mind thinking I can run us into a tree right now. <laughs> I'll make sure it hits on her side. I've got real good airbags on my side. You say, that's not very biblical. I didn't say it was. I mean, and she wasn't being mean, but she was being very direct. And what was crazy is what happened in my spirit when all of a sudden she starts saying, 
Well, Mickey, I just need to know what parts of the Bible you're not going to preach on. And when she put it like that, I was like, well, I'm going to preach on the whole thing. You say, Mickey, why do you say that? Well, next week we're preaching. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I still ain't there yet. (laughs) But that's what this scripture is talking about. Like when it comes to flesh and it comes to the spirit, most of us struggle when it comes to this life. And we kind of feel like we're living, lacking a little bit. And the reason why we're lacking a little bit is because we've really still not bought all the way in. Like we love the scripture that talks about God's grace. But when it comes to his judgment, we're like, ooh, man, judge not lest you be judged, right? Like we love the scriptures that fit our life and our lifestyle. But when it comes to the scriptures that are a little bit sandpaper, like I don't, I don't wanna spend a lot of time there. You know, we love the Bible studies that's, that we sit down and we read a scripture and we say, now, what does that mean to you? But the reality is, is, is God's word means what it means and says what it says. It doesn't matter what it means to you. The, what matters is what does it say? And because that's what it says, now the question is how are you gonna react to it? See, I think most of us are struggling sometimes in life because what happens is, is our lack of submission to God's words catches up to us. And because of that, all of a sudden we're living in guilt, regret, and condemnation. All of a sudden we go, well, man, I'd I'd love to be praying for some of these prayer requests, but boy, I don't even know if God would listen to me because, man, I was just... You say, well, Mickey, how do you handle that? Well, let's go back to where we started. I need you to know something. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Even though your lifestyle is causing you guilt and struggle, God is up there saying, you're forgiven and you're my child. Let's get better. The issue with people that continue in habitual sin is they're not getting better. We need to all be moving forward in our relationship with Christ. Back to God's word, and then we're gonna flip over to Matthew. Listen to this, verse nine. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. And if, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Can I tell you exactly what that means? If you are in the flesh, you're gonna die. And when you die, you're gonna experience the worst death ever. It's called hell. There, I said it. But if you have Christ, even though your mortal body dies, you're gonna experience life. See, one in death, you experience death and death to the ultimate. Another in death, you experience life and life to the ultimate. It's called heaven. And what he's trying to say in God's word is, listen, you have a choice. 
Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and he's telling them, you have a choice. Your issue of what you're dealing with is you're trying to have a life of the Spirit while living in this law of sin and death. You're trying to, to have life more abundantly, but you're living in condemnation. And he's telling them, you don't have to do that. You say, well, Mickey, how do I know where I am? If the whole point is to not live in condemnation, well, how do I know where I'm at? Well, Matthew, Matthew chapter seven, which is right smack dab in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, has an amazing concept. It's one of my favorite phrases, and it comes out of verse 15. It says, this is chapter seven, verse 15. You'll see it on the screen. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravishing wolves. Can I put it in very simple terms? Not everything is what it looks like. Perception is not always reality. And if you've lived longer than like 12 years, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. You had somebody that was your best friend ever, like you, like we best friend, we have locked it in, like pinky promise, we're never going. And then all of a sudden, one day you show up at school and y'all hate each other. And they, they have brought teetotal Hades onto your life and it's just horrible for years. Some of you are right now, and you're like 40 years old, and you're like, yeah, I still have that person in my life. We ain't talked since third grade. Well, let me help you with that. Get over it, all right? It's been a long time, all right? But people have a way that even though they look on the outside like everything's great, they only want to just still kill and destroy you. But listen to what it says. Talking about false prophets, but inwardly are ravishing wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. There's key. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. That's a description of hell. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. So you know what I tell you? If you wanna know where you're at, if you're living a life of condemnation or, or you're living in that law of sin and death or if you're living in the aspect of the spirit of life, all you gotta do is look at the fruit in your life. Goes back to that mindset, right? People that live in the flesh, they focus on fleshly things. You've seen it every fall, right? I mean, you got people that walk around and they're like, woo go dogs. And I'm like, ooh, God, can't even get that stuff off of you. You know what I'm saying? They just, they just messed up. And they focus on that stuff. But, you, but being serious, you know what I mean? People that everything that they do, you're like, is that really what you want to focus on? Is that really what you want to build your life around? Again, one of my phrases, I say this all the time, you better be careful what you chase because you may find it and catch it and just realize it wasn't worth chasing. And then you get to the end of your life and you're going, well, now, now what am I going to do? I'm not there yet. I'm only 48. But my wife turns 50 in a few months. I know, isn't that terrible? Why y'all owing? That is terrible. Y'all are not helping her. You're not supporting her by ooing and on over that. I was just pointing out a fact. But it's one of those things that at age 50, here's what me and my wife are, well, my wife, I'm not quite there yet, but here's what we're realizing. She's giving me this look right now. I wish y'all could see this. Now. I mean, like right now, I mean, it's like, like I'm not even gonna look at her right now. Like I'm just gonna talk to y'all right here. I mean, we, we, I just feel it. But it's one of those things, listen, you get to that point, and some of you guys know what we're talking about. You get to that point and you go, at this stage in life, I can't go back and redo this. 
Like some of you are, are at an awesome stage in life because you, you're still at the point where if you wanted to start over, you could. And I think everybody can always start over. Don't mishear me. But boy, the further you get in life, it gets a whole lot tougher. I remember going to seminary and, and I went to seminary and I, I just finished my college degree and I was going to get my master's and, and I went to seminary and Amy and I'd actually just got married and we went to seminary and, and I remember going there and I was always so enthralled because I'd go to seminary, I'd be in classes and, and at the time I was 22, 23 years old. You know, life kind of was in front of me. And I always got it. Here's the people I wanted to spend time with. I wanted to talk to the 40-year-old guy who was a mechanic, who God was doing something in his life, and he felt called to ministry, and he literally quit his job, sold everything, packed up his family, wife and kids, and moved to Texas and was going to seminary. Like, I wanted to talk to that guy. Because at age 23, it wasn't a whole lot of faith to go to seminary. I just knew that's what God had called me to do. But at age 40, to to step out, to sell everything. And I was like, now that's the guy I want to talk to. Like, how did you say yes to that? And I think that's the same sort of faith that all of us are living in. I think God has a lot for us. The question is, are, are we willing to say yes to the things that he wants, which may mean we have to kind of change some stuff no matter where age you're at. Whether you're 11 or whether you're 18 or whether you're 20 or whether you're 30 or whether you're 40 or 50 or 60 or 70. What, like, what is it that you're willing to, to sacrifice? You say, Mickey, why is that important? Because there's a whole group of people that are gonna know you by your fruit. We're in the fun season of the garden which is the polite, correct way of saying this is the worst season of all. Because you know what it is right now? It's harvest season. We are in that garden all the time, picking stuff all the time. This is when all the friends come out. Everybody wants a little bit of vegetables. Nobody wants to go pick it. Nobody wanted to weed it. Nobody, but now they want the vegetables after you've picked and done everything. You say, what do you do? You just give them the vegetables. You're like, okay, here. <laughs> Why? Because you got so much. And everything comes in all at once. And here's what's amazing. Are you ready? Every single thing that we've planted has produced exactly what it was supposed to produce. In fact, this year, we opened a pack of Brussels sprouts and planted it to get cabbage. Why? Because they'd mislabeled the package. You say, how the, the Brussels sprouts didn't do real good, but the cabbage is awesome. And you know what's amazing about that seed? Is no matter what you put on it, no matter what package it was in, once you plant the seed in the ground, it can only produce what it was created to produce. I didn't, like my corn has corn. I have not found a plant that produced Cheetos. You say, how do you know that? Because if it did, I'd already planted that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like everything that I've planted, it's produced exactly what we're planting, even if it was mislabeled. And I'm gonna chase a rabbit and be real, real careful. As a society, we need to realize that no matter how we label people, it can really only boil down to how God created them 
and they're going to be producing what God's created them to produce. No matter what label somebody's putting on them, the bottom line is God will not be mocked. It's called the law of the harvest. You say, Mickey, why do you talk about that? Because I'm going to read for you Galatians, and I'm going to be done. And as I read for this, I want you to ask one simple question when it comes to your life. When I read this, the fruit that's in your life, I'm gonna read from you the fruit of the flesh and I'm gonna read from you the fruit of the spirit. And I want you to simply ask one question. I don't want you to raise your hand. We're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna bow our head, close our eyes. Now, I just want you to personally evaluate your life. And I want you to ask which fruit is in your life the most. Are you ready? Galatians. Galatians. Galatians chapter five, starting in verse 16, and then I'm done. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, if I had a paper Bible, I would underline that if I was you. If you want to know how to overcome fleshly desires and fleshly living, there's your answer. You got to learn to walk in the Spirit. It's the aspect of action. If you walk in the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Then listen to what it says. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. They oppose each other. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. If you're a parent in the room, and you're looking for your life verse to put up in your house for your kids, this is it. Pastor told me that literally one of my jobs is to keep you from doing all the things that you want to do. It's biblical. That's what the Spirit is for. The Spirit is literally there so that you won't do all the things that you want to do. You say, but I, but I want to do it. Well, I don't care what you want to do. You need to do what you need to do. You say, can those things be the same? The longer you live in the Spirit, they will. In fact, you'll know when they're the same because when they start to align, that's where the Scripture where God says He'll give you the desires of your heart, that's when you've got your Spirit in check. Some people say, well, God's not giving me the desires of my heart. I say, because your heart's messed up. You got a heart of flesh. You don't have a heart of the spirit. You say, well, tell me more about that. I ain't got time. We're running out of time. Maybe another sermon. But when it comes to living, how should you ought to live? You shouldn't live in a spirit of condemnation. How do I do that? You got to live by the spirit, not by the flesh. And then listen, are you ready? Here you go. Verse 16 or 18. But if you are led by the spirit... You are not under the law. That's the law of sin and death. If you're led by the Spirit, it doesn't matter. Your sin's been forgiven. When you die, you're not gonna have condemnation. You're not gonna have death. You're gonna live forever in heaven. And then listen to what he says. Now, the works of the flesh are, and then listen to this, are evident. And then listen, he lists them. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and then here's the key word underlined in your Bible, and things like these. See, if, if you have those things in your life, I, I just want to encourage you. I'm not coming at you. I'm coming with you. You're living a life of the flesh. 
you don't, you're not living a life of the Spirit. And that's the reason why you're unsatisfied, frustrated, and confused. You wonder why God doesn't answer your prayers when you pray. You wonder why you're not moving forward in life. It's because you're trying to fulfill and gratify the flesh. You're not trying to fulfill and gratify the spirit. And then it keeps going. And it says, in such things like these, I warn you, and I have warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, everybody asked me a question, and I know we're running out of time, but I need to answer this. Well, pastor, are you telling me that people that do those things, that they can't have a relationship with Jesus? That is not what I'm saying. That's what God's word is saying. So what parts of the God's word are you gonna believe and what parts are you not gonna believe? I do not believe that you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ and contradict God's word completely. So that you can figure out where that fits in all areas of life. But listen to what it says. It gets even better. But, this is where it gets good. Verse 22, how does this apply to you? But the fruit of the Spirit, and you know these, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. You say, well, maybe I don't have patience. You just joked around and said you struggle with self-control. I don't have these fruits in my life. If you don't have any of those fruits in your life, you know what that tells me? You don't have a life of the Spirit. But I, I went forward and I bowed my head and I closed my eyes and somebody asked me if I wanted to go to hell and I told them no and they said, say this prayer. So I said that prayer and I got baptized. I'm a child of God. You will know them by their fruits. You will not know them by their words because they are ravishing wolves in sheep's clothing. And though you may plant the wrong thing, it's always gonna produce exactly what it is. Can I tell you my biggest struggle right now? It's with God's church because there's too many people that say very loudly they're God's church, but I don't see any fruits of the spirit in their life. All I see is, is works of the flesh. Even in some pulpits. And I think that causes confusion. Because people go, well, well that, that ain't no different than what I've already got. Why do I need what you got? Why do I need Jesus? Like, like you're no different than me. Like it's one of the reasons why we do serve day, right? We just want people to know that they're noticed. You heard Ellie say that. I love the way she said that. And that wasn't rehearsed. She's like, we just need to let people when they're in a tough time to know that they noticed. And I was like, now that's, yes. Like wherever you got that from, yes. Because that's what we do. And you know what I need all of us to do, including the guy standing on the stage? I need the fruits to be obvious because that's how they're gonna know us. So we need to make sure that we love, that we have patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. But then I got to this last part, and then I'm done. T-Hop, you can go ahead and make your way up, because I'm not gonna close the Bible yet, but we need to put a cap on this. And listen to what it says. After self-control, it says, against such things there is no law. In other words, what he was saying was, listen, 
There's not any condemnation. There's not anything that somebody can bring against you when it comes to these things. When Jesus was on trial, you know why he didn't say anything? Because he didn't have to. Was there anything he was going to say to make them not crucify him? Nope. He's like, I ain't got to say nothing. Why? Because in the end, truth's going to fight for itself and everybody's going to know. And trust me, when the dark clouds came over and the ground shook and the veil was torn, even the people that had cast it lots for his wardrobe bowed down, it says in Scripture, and said, surely this is the Son of God. Why? Because of his fruits. But then this last verse got me. It says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Last week, I talked about how we battle different things, and I talked about how Elijah did this major test and overcome Baal. You can go back to the podcast. But one of the things I talked about is, is most of our issues is, is we want God to defeat stuff in our life, but we don't ever want to kill it. And that's the reason why it keeps rearing its ugly head up in our lives. Like if you're one of those that has moments in your life where you're like, Lord, it's me again, and it's the same thing. You know God's up there going, I got you. But you know you don't have to keep saying it's the same thing. Like, you, like through Jesus Christ, you can kill it. Scripture says you can crucify it. That's the word saying you can kill it. You can put it to death. It can be gone. You say, well, Mickey, I don't know how to do that. And I would respond with a question. Do you really not know how or you just don't want to? Because for some, it's like, like I like it. And you know what that makes you? Human and normal. But I just want you to know you ain't got to stay there. You may have addictions in your life that you're like, I want to I overcome this. God can deliver you from those things. You say, but I don't really want to. I get it. I get it. But just don't confuse God with you. God can do it. You're the one that doesn't want to. You say, well, what's your thoughts on that? I, honestly, I just love you. It's okay. It's a journey. Let's just, take, keep, let's just take another step. We can go back to that. But what do we need to do now? You say, Mickey, why do you say that? Because of this final verse. This is the one that, that rocked me. This is the one I was getting to a minute ago. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And then listen to this last verse. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. See, I, I know a lot of people that grow in their spiritual faith, and the more they know Jesus, the more arrogant, judgmental, and conceited they get. You know what I'm talking about. I don't know what we call them in 2023, but in 1988, we called them holy rollers. 
you know, the guy that got up and gave his testimony was talking about just how a few weeks ago he was strung out and doing this and doing that, and now he's found Jesus. Now he wants to tell everybody how they're so terrible and bad. And it's like, look, dude, three months ago, you, you was one of us. And listen, living in the Spirit is not to create envy, not so that people go, oh, man, I want to be like them. Well, you better be careful because remember what the other side of that pasture is real green. I told you why earlier. You may not want to be like them because you may realize there's a whole lot of stuff over there. But the purpose of the Spirit is not to create arrogance or to feel like you've done something. The purpose of the Spirit is to create life so that you can go out and be life-giving. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe so you don't miss out. Also, if you want to help support reaching more people with these life-giving messages, visit crossroadscommunitychurch.com slash give or text CRCC with your dollar amount to 73256. Once again, thanks for listening.